All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Gojo and Golik, Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. We got a great show for you. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out live Monday through Friday right here on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. And uh, listen, Dad... There's no two ways about it here. Last night had one main story and one main character. It was a massive, massive day for Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana yeah. Pacers. My <laughs> God, the NBA in-season tournament continues to star. And wouldn't you know it, coming off a weekend where he said he's tired of being a loser, Tyrese Halliburton decides to go out there and drop a triple-double on Boston's heads with their weird court and advance to the next round, baby. We are all in around here. I'm not going to lie, Mike. You know, when this thing started out, you know, we, we all were saying, why are we doing this? You know, what's going on? And... As it progressed, I, 
I've gotten into it more and more. You see the funky court, you know you got a game, and now with the, coming to the end, quarter semis and finals, we had the dates to it, obviously, because before that, it was just kind of a crapshoot if I turned it on and saw a funky court and knew it was, a, was an in-season tournament game. But yeah, what a big win, and they were going nuts celebrating it. Halliburton's dad was in the crowd pointing to the, he was wearing a shirt with his kid's name, their name on the back, pointing like, like the athletes do. It was absolutely hilarious. That dude is a stud. They get a big win, 122-112 over Boston. New Orleans beats Sacramento by 10, and Sacramento's been such a hot team as well. And that Zion even only had 10 points in that one. It was Brandon Ingram who had 30, I believe. So they both move on to the semis. So they punch their ticket to Vegas, as they say, right? My God, we will get plenty more into that actually tomorrow. (laughs) Charlotte Wilder, our dear friend from the Oddball Podcast, will help us get into more of that. As you're right, now we're starting to get, now we're actually starting to get to the part where I thought it would sink its teeth in, where we got to Vegas and it seemed real and all that changed. But in actuality, the NBA's in-season tournament, already a massive success. But dad, in all seriousness, one of the real stars of last night had to be Jake Browning. And I'm yeah. not saying that ironically. I'm not saying that to be funny. Last night on Thursday or on Monday Night Football, unfortunately for our dear friend Emerson Lazia, another oh voice you gosh. hear around this show, a diehard Jacksonville Jaguars fan who was in attendance for that game last night. Dad, we talk, made so much a big deal about it. The first Monday Night Football game in so long in Jacksonville for the Jags. And Jake Browning coming in in place of the injured Joe Burrow steals the show last night, 32 of 37 354 yards and two touchdowns accounted for dad how did this happen where did this come from (laughs) well i I think you got to give zach taylor a bunch of credit for the play calling i thought the play calling was fantastic early on it protected him while still got the ball it's kind of this was kind of the blueprint of what we talk about when a backup quarterback comes in. Because what's the first thing you want to do uh, from either side of the ball? Defensively, you say, we have to pick up the slack. Offensively, you have to say, let's make it as easy as we can. You've dealt with this at dealing with a backup quarterback. Let's, let's, let's make it as easy as we can on the quarterback. That means let's get our running game going. How's 156 yards compared to 25 yards rushing last week? So you get the running game going, you get the short passing game going, and then, oh, by the way, hit the, hit a 70-yarder or 70-plus yarder over the top to your guy Jamar Chase, you know, and just let him do his thing like he did last night. So this was almost picture perfect because everybody says it. How do you battle a young quarterback? You know, how do you frazzle? And everybody has the same answer. How do you handle a backup coming in? Make it easy on him. I thought they made it easy on him. I thought the play calling was excellent, but more importantly, the execution on the field was excellent. That really kept kind of kept that Jacksonville defense at bay. It was, and Jake, to his credit, after the game, talked about, hey, we were able to run the ball really well. First and foremost, when you've got Joe Mixon and Chase Brown doing the things that they did, that was probably the most surprising part to me, Dad, too, considering the strengths of this Jacksonville defense and what they had been had largely been considered. Defensive line, some extent linebacker, and then safety down the spine of the defense. We saw on the outside they had some trouble handling these Cincinnati wide receivers. Jamar Chase most of the game, T. Higgins with a couple of big plays late, but I was stunned that Cincinnati was able to have as much success up front against this Jacksonville defense as they were, and then it led to this because it started off like that early where it's a lot of easy access throws, it's a lot of stuff at or around the line of scrimmage. 
Jake Browning last night completed every one of his seven pass attempts over 10 air yards. The most downfield completions without an incompletion since week 16 of 2021. He was seven of seven for 170 yards and a touchdown last night. And excluding two throwaways, dad, he had more of his intended passes dropped than he had actual incompletions last night, according to next gen stats. So they definitely did a good job game plan wise there were well-timed screens in there to help evade pressure certainly having a guy the caliber of jamar chase go out there and pick up the slack absolutely helps but all credit to jake browning he was putting that thing where it needed to be and making the plays when he was called upon so we were wondering you know cincinnati we we kind of pushed them out of the playoff picture uh and said you know maybe they'd be a thorn in somebody's side you're looking at the wild card teams, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Indy, all seven and five. And there's Cincy, six and six. One loss behind in the loss column and a quarterback playing uh, ama- amazingly well. To me, the biggest difference was they got the run game going. Like I said, what they didn't have last week, they got it this week. That is such a good friend of any quarterback, let alone a backup quarterback. But, Mike, how about overall the quarterback? The quarterbacks in this game. So you mentioned Jake, 32 of 57, or 32 of 37, that's 86% completion. Trevor Lawrence, who we'll get to, 22 of, what, 29, that's 75%. And then C.J. Beathard comes in and goes 9 of 10, which is 90%. This was the highest completion percentage in a game, I I think, ever, or I forgot how long since. It was 82% collectively, the completion percentage. Which is the highest. I mean, all the quarterbacks were absolutely on fire, unfortunately, for Trevor until he got hurt. But boy, oh boy, I mean, pretty impressive when we weren't sure what we were going to get, A, out of a backup in in uh, in Browning. But D, when Beathard had to come in, you know, he did a nice job, you know, going 9-10 going to 10 and helping lead this team, uh, you know, to potentially, you know, a win, game-tying field goal, and then uh, unfortunately not the win in overtime. Not a lot of balls touching the mat last night, but you mentioned it. We will get to, I think, the biggest story of last night because while Jake Browning's resurgence here is phenomenal, we th- I think no better at this point than to attach too much meaning to any one performance yeah. given what we know about professional football, how difficult it is when the sample size starts to get bigger. We will get to that, but uh, Jesse, it's my understanding that Jake Browning, at the very least after one performance, seems like he's in line for one of the most coveted prizes that we have in all of sports, a nickname. Yeah, you mentioned how insanely good he was throwing the ball downfield, and that performance earned him a new nickname in the locker room. Downtown Jake Brown, the, 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 to Jamar. I mean, that's a, I'm, I'm making it stick. I'm making it stick. Yeah, boy had a hell of a game. I could say that, uh, yeah, y'all asked about his confidence all week and y'all just seen it there, you know what I'm saying? Sure, you can ask nothing better than that. He did really pretty good today, but he just showed a lot of poison, you know, QB1 material, that's what I think. He had a great week of practice. I, I thought Thursday uh, was outstanding. Um, and that's really our big day, our third down day. I, I felt really good coming out of this week, getting ready for this game. And, uh, I mean, he just lit the world on fire. So a lot of respect. Leave to Big Teddy Karras, their offensive lineman. You just love to see it. Guys, is this nickname going to stick? Probably depends on if he keeps up this level of play, right? 
Yeah, I, I would say that would have a lot to do with it. If he can still do it. You know, the thing about it is he has the weapons to just throw the ball up, right? When you trust your receiver, mm-hmm. even if it's close, if it's a matchup you want, you're going to hoist it up there and your receiver's going to make you look good. Now, the thing about it is, and, and the first rule, and he didn't do it, the first rule of nicknames is you can't give yourself a nickname, and he did not. So he gave it. Now, do you say downtown Jake Brown or do you say downtown Jake Brown? Yeah, how do you how do you do that? You know, since it's browning, you just, go, you yeah, just you, stop at brown. No, I think you give you give him the ing. That's the whole point. Is like it's not like normally when you have it. It's downtown something own is the nickname there. So this is what makes him different and special, despite the fact that now basically like between quarterback and coach, both critical pieces of this Cincinnati team are like stock we characters. If you asked me to pick Jake Browning or Zach Taylor out of a lineup, I would not be able to do it because they are the most cookie cutter looking white people on planet Earth. So the fact that you've got that means you need to differ differentiate some with the nickname and downtown Jake Browning having the ing on the end I think is absolutely the way you do that uh, I do like that I also want to mention because I know we're going to get to Trevor here there were a couple of uh, interesting family relationships in, in last night's game right Zach Taylor the head coach for Cincinnati his brother Press Taylor is the OC for Jacksonville and Jacksonville had some wide receiver injuries. So Doug Peterson elevated a wide receiver from the practice squad, his son. So it was the first time a father's son were on the field since the McKays in 1976, where dad was a coach and son was on the team. So pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't, don't, I didn't see, I don't think his son got in at all, but he was dressed, got elevated. And so how cool is that? You know, you're, you're, you're the head coach and your kid's on the sideline. I personally find nepotism disgusting, but good for them. Happy that they got to have that moment. Uh, and I wish them well in their future endeavors there. By the way, Press Taylor really missed his calling to join the media there. That's not really, that's looking a gift horse in the yeah. mouth and walking away from that. But uh, yeah, no, congrats, well, how, to, congrats to Doug and his son. I remember that was a storyline yeah. there. And uh, now they got to live out a pretty cool moment. How about, if Doug, how about if Doug was at home and his wife was asking him how things go? And, and he said, well, you know, we got some injuries. I'm going to have to elevate wide receiver. And then she she just stares at him like you know who you're well remember he had to cut him yeah he had to cut him i know i know guy for a while so we talked about the story where he had to cut him which had to be even more difficult go what you know is what you sign up for but to your point the one boss in both their lives that doesn't make that any easier of a conversation no no it does not uh Speaking of tough conversations for Doug mm. Peterson, he got to ask it asked a lot after the game about the injury to Trevor Lawrence and really ugly one in the fourth quarter. Dad, it looked really bad. Trevor Lawrence dropping back. He's in the pocket and Walker Little, his left tackle, gets bull rushed back into Trevor. And he's actually the one that steps on Trevor Lawrence's ankle. Trevor goes down. He tries to get back up and immediately hits the turf again. And you can see he is frustrated, throws his helmet. Yeah. You were looking and, and you always say, Dad, athletes know. When something's really wrong, guys tend to know. But this is now the second time in as many weeks we saw this with Joey Bosa where he was inconsolable after an injury and then people were wondering about the severity and all the indication we got after the game and we're going to still wait for x-rays and all those other information to come back out. But Adam Schefter uh, and ESPN were reporting after the game that they believe it's an ankle sprain now, which dad makes it sound like something he could potentially come back from, which is not what I thought when I originally saw the injury. 
So a lot of times, Mike, and I agree, a lot of times the players know because sometimes it's bad enough where they hear a crack or they hear a pop or they hear something. But I will say it's a little different at times with an ankle injury. Now, this isn't, it wasn't a normal roll of the ankle, but still, when you sprain that ankle, you know, we've all done it. Uh, you know, athlete, not athlete, a lot of people have done it. That initial pain is bad, right? When you first sprain that ankle, you think your ankle exploded and you're down grabbing it, writhing around, and then it kind of wears off. So I would imagine everybody is kind of hoping for that, that it was that kind. He was seen with crutches and a walking boot, which is no matter what, you're going to do that. You're going to, you're going to isolate that thing. So we'll, we'll see. We'll wait till these tests come out. Well, speaking of walking, the only thing I wanted to say is, where was the cart? Yeah. Why didn't they have anything yeah. with wheels there? And as everyone pointed out, this is the state of Florida that I have to imagine has more golf carts per capita than any other state in the <laughs> union. And yet we get these shots of Trevor Lawrence being helped walking down this long ass hallway to try and get to the x-ray machine or the locker room or wherever he was going in that stadium. I, I mean, dad, I feel like I was taking crazy pills at that point. So what was going on? Do you think he was one of those guys? And, you know, there are guys out there that said, I'm not going out in a cart. I'm walking. I'm walking in a locker room. Do not put me on a cart. I don't think so. I feel like I, I, I don't know. the cart. It's like the Seinfeld episode. Do you want the, Do you want a chair? Do you want a chair? Yeah. I feel oh, like yeah. we get you a chair. <laughs> yeah, it did seem pretty odd when he was walking off the field. First, then you thought he was just going to be on the sideline in the blue tent. But then, yeah, when he was walking in, looked like a long hallway. Looked like a long hallway he had to uh, head to. I hope our buddy Emerson is okay. I haven't heard from him yet, so I hope he's uh, oh, he survived. Jesse, you're out there with him. Have we heard from him yet? Do we know anything? I texted him, and I haven't heard back, so I think maybe we should start calling the hospitals. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's, so. It's like that. Or the jails. <laughs> It's like the college football meme tweet, the 18-year-olds that play for the school that I like didn't play well enough this weekend, and so now I'm out in the driveway waiting, asking my wife to back up the rag four, saying I don't care if I die tonight. That's that's where Emerson's arrived at uh, this point. So at this point, Jacksonville drops to fourth. They're still division leaders with Indy uh, behind them, a loss behind them, Um, and Casey jumps to three. It's uh, It's still Miami and Baltimore, one and two. So they're, they're still there, Jacksonville, but a lot is going to find out. And they said going forward, C.J. Beathard would be the guy. Doug Peterson said he's been around for a while, certainly Beat seen hard. enough of the game. And, 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 and we'll see. We'll see how it goes again. We, so let, let me make a bigger question out of this, well, Mike. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, mine's going to no, be a little off topic. So, um, Well, my my only thing was coming off this, Dad, now as it pertains to the AFC playoff picture you just described is, and I saw Andrew Siciliano tweet this, that if Trevor Lawrence isn't able to go next weekend, four of the seven teams currently situated in the AFC playoff picture are going to be trotting out backup quarterbacks. And... When we talk about teams like Buffalo and some of the other teams that have struggled and been on the fringe of this, the Los Angeles Chargers, you can start to look at this and go, all right, what does this mean down the stretch here as teams are trying to execute this? Some of it's going to be, hey, how long is a guy like Trevor Lawrence out? But uh, you look at it right now, Gardner Minshew in for the Indianapolis Colts, who's been there. Joe Flacco or whoever the Browns trot out. C.J. Beathard for the Jags. Mitch Trubisky going in for the injured uh, injury at Kenny Pickett, the Steelers. And that doesn't even get to the rest of the AFC dad of the AFC there are nine teams that will technically be starting a backup should Trevor Lawrence not be in this next week with Jake Browning there 
Aiden O'Connell in Vegas, whoever, as we'll get to the Jets quarterback situation, yep. trots out for them. Will Levis for the Titans. Bailey Zappi for the Patriots. The ultimate example of a meat grinder that's been this season is on the AFC that was supposed to be the superior conference because you had all these Hall of Fame quarterbacks in it and now looks like Drek. Leads me to my question. And, and this is kind of half tongue-in-cheek but half serious because why are there so many rules to protect quarterbacks in the NFL? Is to keep them on the field, right, and keep the stars playing so for the viewing public, right? So you keep the best quarterbacks yep. out there, right? So let me ask you this question. You just list off the litany. At one point, I think two weekends ago, we were going into the weekend with 50 starting quarterbacks, and we're now surpassing that with more backups that are going to go in and are going to start. If we find out after this year that the ratings did not drop at all, can we start protecting the quarterback less? I mean, we will have proof that you're trying to protect the big-time quarterbacks so people will tune in and watch and go to the games. Games are sold out, and now if ratings stay up with all these backup quarterbacks, can we all of a sudden say, you know what, we will review the roughing the quarterback ridiculously bad calls some of the officials are making, and maybe we'll let him get hit a little bit more because all these backups are in and everybody keeps watching. That's what happens with the NFL. So half-heartedly I'm joking, but half-heartedly I am serious that is there an effect when we get to not just a couple backups, we have tons of backup quarterbacks in. I listen I'm not a television executive by any means and I will say for the note because I got this pointed out to me last night Trevor Lawrence was injured after getting stepped on by his own guy but I agree with the sentiment that they're going to see that and they're still going to have their interest in protecting the quarterback there I will be curious I do think there's going to be some sort of hit because even anecdotally for me dad there's been a lot of windows now where I don't even bother watching the red zone no disrespect to friend of the program Scott Hansen. I'll put him on in the background just to support ratings wise there but a lot of times when the when the other games are that bad I've used the last couple of weekends to just watch the one good game on in that window that's what right. I've been driven to by all of this because I look at these teams and go all right, well, how much can I realistically expect from this as we've got backup quarterback going out there and trying to duke it out? It's no disrespect to those guys. Live out your dream. But I absolutely think we could see an effect on this. And as always, it's relative to the NFL's own monster standard, not to the rest of television. Yeah, that, no, that, that is very true. I, I agree with that. We will see. But I say let's protect the quarterbacks last. That's my vote. And I say let's find out who the hell the quarterback's going to be for the Jets next. Hey, Dad. What do you do when you're out with friends, the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help? Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. 
Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's talk about the Jets' quarterback struggles because there has been a development, as there always seems to be. So according to a report by Zach Rosenblatt and Diana Rossini of The Athletic. The Jets want to go back to Zach Wilson this week against the Texans, but Wilson is not interested. So they basically said they're prepared to make another switch at QB. The team is leaning towards turning back to Zach Wilson, but apparently he is reluctant, he is hesitant to take this opportunity. And there's been such intense speculation about this that Robert Sala actually had to address the situation. If he was reluctant to play guys, he wouldn't be here. All right. Uh, I actually coincidentally just got done speaking with him. Uh, he came in about a half hour ago and we had a really good conversation. The young man wants the ball. He wants to start. He believes he's the best uh, quarterback in the room and best quarterback for this team and the best w- and the guy who gives us the best chance to win. Um, and I'll tell you guys the same thing I told him. I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that he wants to play. I'm just not there yet. What do you guys think the truth is here? Because these are respected journalists. They're not just going to pull this out of nothing. And then you got Robert Sala completely refuting the report. So the truth probably somewhere in the middle, right? I think the truth is that the Jets have to be... This has to be one of the most mismanaged quarterback situations I've yeah. seen in I don't know how long from top to bottom. I said this yesterday on Twitter, and I stand by this. You have to be born a Jets fan. Because if any sane person chooses willingly to go and follow this team and to court this kind of chaos every week of their life, I want them to get serious help. There's no way you choose that. You have to be born in this. Dad, this organization continues to reinvent different ways to seem inept and find new lows. And post Aaron Rodgers' injury, which is a curveball that obviously nobody wants to anticipate going into the season, but every step of the way after that, their response to this has been utter nonsense. It has. And, you know, people have said, you know, why didn't they get anybody right away? And then Josh Jobs starts playing well in Minnesota. said you could have had Josh Jobs, but that's come down to earth. Then Joe Flacco comes out firing in Cleveland, but they end up losing the game. So everybody's saying maybe they should have got Joe Flacco. And, and who knows if anybody would have helped. But the thought process was do something. Try something. Show the guys in that locker room or everybody that you're, you're trying something by bringing a veteran in to see what they could do, and maybe they would have done better. Now, as far as the situation, Mike, it's very difficult for my little brain to comprehend that a player playing in the NFL would not want to walk on the field, especially one that is playing bad and knows, and listen, he's not going to be there next year, but you know what he wants to continue to do? play football so the what he has what have you done for me lately is that what he wants out there 
Is, is that what he wants as other teams are looking to get him? Or would he rather get back on the field and try and show that he could do? They have some weapons out there. The O-line's hurting. I know they're, it, it's difficult, but Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, we like them uh, to do a, something on offense. But wouldn't you want to get back out there and try and put a, a better foot forward for knowing, because players know more than anybody else, that you're auditioning now for another team. You're not going to be on this team next year. So it's just difficult for me to comprehend that a player would say no, especially a player like this who's really playing for his – the only reason he's going to have a quarterbacking future in the NFL is because he was one of the top picks. They, are, they go on a lot of times forever to be backups because they were a top pick. So I, I have a hard time believing it. Obviously, I'm not there. This is just my opinion that a player with still something to look forward to, I'm sure he feels in his career, the best way to show that is to get back on the field and say, I'm not as bad as what you're seeing out here. I can be better other 31 teams out there if you're looking. It apparently got to the point, according to Diana Rossini at The Athletic, that Aaron Rodgers reportedly reached out to Zach Wilson in an effort to advise him to resume the starting role. But at the time, Wilson remained apprehensive due to the perceived injury risk, according to sources. And the timeline of events that, again, Diana lays out is that Zach Wilson made clear to multiple members of the organization, player, staff, and coaches of his apprehension to start due to the perceived injury risk. And, Dad, I'm with you in terms of the opportunity here 100 percent you're looking around the nfl right now we just talked about all the backup quarterbacks out there this is everybody re-upping their certification to be a backup when you look around in a decade and you see some of these same names holding clipboards on sidelines in the league you're going to trace it back to this season where they had to go out there used to joke about this with chase daniel every once in a while you got to go out into a game and throw a few passes show them you can still spot it you know spot duty here and there and then be great vibes on the sideline be a great presence in the locker room and meeting room acquire currency, pass go, collect $200. It's a great gig. You should want to keep doing it. But dad, this in principle, what you were describing there sounds like what we talk about every year when we get to college bowl season. There are the haves and there are the have nots. Right. Right. Going into bowl season, we're going to talk about Caleb Williams, who it sounds like, according to his head coach, Lincoln Riley, is going to sit out their bowl game. And we all expected that because Caleb Williams, despite the opportunities there for him in college, is probably, despite what we've heard from him, going to go to the NFL, going to be either the first or second pick in the draft and going to make a boatload of guaranteed money there and live out all of his future dreams of being an NFL quarterback. He doesn't need this bowl game, but. For the rest of the guys playing college football, like the me's of the world, you need every bit of tape that you can get. And so whether you like the bowl game or not, doesn't matter. Bowl games are the sum sum total of where you're going and how much time you have curfew free early in the week to go out and drink in a new place. The rest of it is, hey, we got a game to play. We're football players. If I want to play at the next level, I need to probably go out there and ball for this game. That's the lot in life for the vast majority of us who sign up to play that sport. Zach Wilson is the NFL equivalent of that right now he's not someone that can say well i'm gonna be here no matter what and so i can focus more on my if justin jefferson dad and the minnesota vikings looked at their season trajectory and said you know what I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a massive contract guy for us. If I want to slow my rehab down a little bit because I'm worried about the long-term future of this, sure. Aaron Rodgers in the Jets room. We've been talking about this for weeks with him. Absolutely. If you're Zach Wilson here, 
no 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 like you got to be out on the field if there's any truth to this thought process there you can understand it maybe in a weak moment dad and i think rob sala said as much when he went on the michael k show as empathetically i can understand that but once your cooler head prevails it's got to be that understanding if my goal is to keep playing football i need to be yeah. out there trying to show people that i'm better than what i've put on tape so far and what you said in the big picture there is a thousand percent correct. You know, back when I when I was in college, nobody was skipping games, you know, getting ready for the NFL. We all played them. But in my position as well, if I were playing today, I would have played in the bowl game. I would have wanted to continue to put tape in front of the NFL. And you're right. That's ninety nine percent of the players that are out there. But for the Caleb Williams, the Brock Bowers, who has been injured anyway and still would have a couple of weeks before he would play, you could even say he was healthy, but why would he go out there? And I and I don't know if he's not playing yet, but I don't know why he would go out there. For, for Zach Wilson, not only from the physical part of playing, if in fact this was true that he didn't want to go out there, if I'm another team, I'm saying, wait a minute, this guy needs to show something and he didn't want to go on the field to show it. So I, that would do something to me as well to say, you know, that guy's not going to be on my team. So I, I, I think there's that part of it as well. Bottom line is, dude, get out on the field. If you have the chance, compete and, and try and put a better product out there for the next team. And this does make you wonder, like, who benefits from every time a story like this comes out, I always think, which side benefits right, right. from this news being out there? Because it's certainly not Zach Wilson, right? There's no way that he's no. the one that's leaking this to anybody because it obviously would make him look terrible. And so you look at the yes. organization, and if for whatever reason they were really having trouble getting him back on the field because we saw they went through the Trevor Simeon-Tim Boyle com com combination, and surprise, surprise, it wasn't great because all the options that you had at this point, like you said, Dad, even if you've gone out and got them, weren't going to be great options at this point. And so if they were having some trouble getting Zach Wilson back on the field, this is the type of information you would leak out to the public to put that right. kind of pressure on him. So it seems like that would be the source, but then that would mean at the core of this that there was some issue or some discrepancy of Zach Wilson going back out and starting for you or not, which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, not sure which direction this is, just going by the reports right now. But uh, if he has a chance to be the starter, I would hope he would grab hold of that and go back out on the field. I would be. So now we'll all be locked in for the next Zach Wilson media appearance and the Jets' decision for this weekend. Coming up next, though, big decisions got made for which college players will head to New York for the Heisman ceremony. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Gojo and Golik, the votes are in. Here's a look at your Heisman Trophy finalists announced last night with DK Sportsbook odds to win. So LSU's Jaden Daniels, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix Jr., then Ohio State receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. Look at that. All right, so Gojo, you cast your vote for this. Mm -hmm. You don't have to reveal it, but take us through your process. Or reveal it. Or Or tell us exactly who you voted for. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, you know what, guys? I'm not allowed to do that because as a valued part of the Heisman voting community, we are not able to reveal our votes until after the award is announced this upcoming weekend. So you guys are all going to have to wait. I release my ballot every year after the fact for full transparency because I care about this process very Mm. deeply. But no, it is. I mean, in all seriousness, it is cool and patently absurd that I get to say I'm a Heisman voter. I've got friends who I think I respect much more in the media who are able to do this. But Dad, like anything else it's a great opportunity to just watch an absolute buttload of football and coming off this last weekend all these guys are names that we're familiar with right when you look at these players none of them are surprising addition to this all incredibly deserving and all were a huge part of the reason their team was anywhere right like you look at Marvin Harrison Jr. as the perfect example of that the only non-quarterback being invited to New York and the Ohio State Buckeyes, whose quarterback just entered the portal because he saw it's probably not going to be long for him around there in Ohio State If there's no Marvin Harrison Jr. on that team, they're not beating Penn State. If there's no Marvin Harrison Jr. on that team, they're not in the game against Michigan. He was a one-man wrecking crew in a room that had so many talented guys at receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr. was absolutely the straw that stirred the drink for that team. So uh, you see things like that. You know, uh, Ever since Michael Penix came over, the combination of him and Kalen DeBoer in Washington has made that team a two-year jumpstart that now has them in the college football playoff. Jaden Daniels Ben's defense is in a way you rarely ever see has been the biggest dual threat in college football. And then Bo Nix outside of Washington has been sensational this season. Oregon had a Washington problem, but they had a Bo Nix solution to everything else. So I think this is an incredibly deserving final group, Dad, and it's going to be a really tightly contested race this year. And we know you look at stats a lot and certainly where the team ends up and the Washington Penix's team ended up going the furthest as they're going to be in the playoffs. You look at their stats in the country. Yards passing, Penix one, Knicks two, and Daniels three. Touchdown passes, Daniels and, and, and uh, Bo Nix tied for first at 40, and then third is Penix. So these three are the top three, even statistically, because we talked about, as you did, Marvin Harrison statistically is not the top wide receiver, but what he meant to that team is, is ridiculous. But these are, are statistically the top three quarterbacks. So it will be interesting to find out when we can see what your, hear what your vote is and what other voted. Did you vote, you know, kind of like the committee? How many different areas do you go to? 
Do you go to the stats? Do you go to interceptions? Of which interceptions it was, I think, Bo Nix had the least uh, in this one at three, and Daniels four, and Penix nine. Do you, I, think, I think it was nine. Do you look at that? Do you look at how far they took their team? As I said, Penix took his team to the finals. So what are some of, as I said, you can't give us who you picked, but your criteria, just like if you were on the committee, your criteria that you looked at in, 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 in fixing your vote? Yeah, how much does your performance matter to your team's overall outcome, right? Like, how big a part of winning are you? Because you can see gaudy stats for a lot of players that are ultimately window dressing or benefiting from another player's gravity or an importance to the team, and you're the one that has to go out there and make the plays, and there's no shame in being that guy and doing it, but we also see, Dad, players that are the foundation for an entire offense. Another player that I have to imagine if people released their ballots was probably pretty close in this conversation was a guy like Ali Gordon, the running back for Oklahoma right. State. When you turn on Oklahoma State football, what do you see? An offense that's largely predicated on running the ball and then RPO passes. All of it's built on we have a credible enough run threat for defenses to have to account for so our quarterback can try and sling the rock to the outside to a lot of these receivers and make throws based off that. And so when you look and see, all right, able to do that, able to, in the open field, be one of the most elusive runners in college football, score, score a ton of touchdowns, be a part of the games where things go well for them usually being a reason why is kind of where i go so the stats are like a good place to start it gives you a baseline of all right this guy's productive enough to probably be considered for this but then that next layer is when you go does the tape match what you're seeing there statistically and does it point towards the direction of winning why a None of us like the idea that it would just be the best quarterback on the best team award. And certainly this year, Michael Penix Jr., the only one of these guys actually in the college football playoff amongst this group. And so you're not going to get that in earnest. But, uh, Dad, I think there does still need to be something to the fact that your performance is impactful enough to where your team is getting to a place they otherwise wouldn't have. So, I mean, in, in that case, in my opinion, anyway, Jaden Daniels is going to win this thing because we talked about his passing stats. He also rushed for 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, and outside of Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver who was, what do you have, over 1,500 yards receiving or something like that, 1,400 yards, incredible. The surrounding cast for Bo Nix and Penix is better, right? So, so... It would take more from your quarterback like a Jaden Daniels to take his team further. And and they didn't go as far as Oregon or Washington. But to that piece of criteria, which is one of more than a few criteria, uh, I think that would go uh, in favor of Daniels. What, what else is interesting? And this is just where we are today. Last year's winner, Caleb Williams, was a transfer. 2019, Joe Burrow was a transfer. 18, Kyler Murray was a transfer. 17, Make, Baker Mayfield was a transfer. 2010, Cam Newton was a transfer. Oh, by the way, all the way back to 1945, Doc Blanchard from Army was a transfer from North Carolina. So it's kind of fun just wow, to throw that in the there. But Yeah, I know. How about it? So it started way back then, right? So, I mean, you're seeing this more and more. These three quarterbacks, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the only one not a transfer here. And one of these quarterbacks, I think, is going to win it. So it's going to be another year of a transferred quarterback winning a Heisman. Again, that's just where we are. When we talk about November 26th, when the the portal opened, there were 1,100 players that jumped into it. I mean, it's crazy where we are in college football right now. But the bottom line is that's where we are right now now and you know you just have to find a way and work with it well I I think you look at all of these guys too and 
Michael Penix is a great example of what we talked about as a huge positive for the portal is when your coaching situation changes drastically, how you're able to respond. Michael Penix Jr. had his best season when Kalen DeBoer was with him at Indiana. So then DeBoer goes out to Fresno State and then makes the Mm -hmm. jump up there to Washington. And now you're like, oh, this is a great opportunity to finish my career with somebody that I know with a familiar voice and now has done it multiple years there, right? That's the other thing you can say for these guys is it's now once they made that choice, been multiple seasons at the same spot. They found the right fit. They found the right voice in their ear. They found the right supporting cast and they decided to stick around long enough to see the best version of themselves finally come into fruition. And that's kind of been the cool part for all these guys. You mentioned Joe Burrow was the same way. We always think of it as that one 2019 season, but in actuality, Joe Burrow had another year as a starter at LSU where it didn't look as good and came back and then had the supernova season and everything changed. So there are a lot of really compelling stories with all of these guys, very different players, which is the cool part too totally different flavors of ice cream in this entire group but yes the backstories for a lot of them very similar like you said and you mentioned that with Penix and following his coach and we're already going to we're going to see that because there's a ton of we'll talk about it, a ton of quarterbacks in the portal and some are going to follow their coach that left and there are those that say they shouldn't be able to do that and, and my response is why they, they got most for most part got recruited by this coach went to school you know if you want to sit there and say they went to school because of the school great I'm sure that was part of it but it's also because of the coach that they're going there and that coach has the freedom to leave he has the freedom to or, or the option I should say to buy out his contract and go somewhere else why shouldn't the player get to as well why shouldn't the player get to say you know what this guy recruited me he left I and I came here basically for him I'm following him I, that's why that's why I have no problem with these guys if they want especially if their coach leaves if they want to follow their coach if their coach wants them yeah, I, I do think it, it is interesting that like very antiquated and it felt antiquated as a notion when I was getting recruited in, you know, 2007, 2008 in that range of, hey, you're just committing to the place or you're committing to the school like I was because I loved Notre Dame. And yeah, I think yeah. for the most part, you know, a, you know, Charlie Weiss was the one that gave me the scholarship. I'm forever indebted, but I'd imagine there would have been a lot of coaches I would have gone to Notre Dame and played for. I don't know how prevalent that was for others back then, and I certainly don't know how prevalent that idea is now. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So, guys, the 30-day winter transfer portal opened yesterday in college football, and we've had some big names entering it. Probably the biggest name to enter the portal, Oklahoma starting QB, Dylan Gabriel. Now, he penned a goodbye, actually, to Sooner Nation on Twitter Feeling pretty final here when you say the kind of stuff he said. You know, he he enjoyed his time. He wants to thank Sooner Nation, etc. So feels pretty final. He led the Sooners to a 16-8 record in his starts over two seasons. 55 touchdown passes, 12 picks. He was sixth in total passing yards among all quarterbacks this season. He has one more season of eligibility, guys. So how surprised were you by this news? I'm not surprised by anyone hopping into the portal at this point. That just seems to be the parlance of our time. Like, this is what you do. And we'll see, Dad, whether it's, you know, the way you actually explore free agency, if this is so that guys can negotiate. And we know that there's a pretty robust market for name, image, and likeness payments to get guys, especially at this position. 
to different schools or if it's motivated by a lot of the same things that have been there and in Dylan's case his offensive coordinator Jeff Levy has now taken the head coaching job at Mississippi State and so you do wonder as most people I think now when you see a coach make a move and you see him come from a place that had quality parts anywhere on that roster quarterback or otherwise your first inclination is oh I wonder if they're going to follow and do the easy thing here to help ease that transition process because like we saw for Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to Southern California that transition to SC got made a lot easier by the fact that a super talented guy named Caleb Williams wanted to come out and follow you to Los Angeles so I, I think there are different reasons to, for different things, right? And, and it's what I just talked about. Lebby was, was with him at UCF uh, with Gabriel, and they, he tra- Lebby comes to Oklahoma, and, Dil- and Gabriel comes there. And now, don't be shocked if he ends up, uh, to, to me, don't be shocked if he ends up at Mississippi State. And that's always an interesting one to me when starting quarterbacks uh, leave as well. Uh, because you have Kyle McCord, who left from Ohio State uh, as a starting quarterback as well. Uh, Cameron Ward, Washington State. And I, but I could see kind of Washington State and Oregon State. They're kind of left out in the cold. They're going to play more of a Mountain West schedule right now. So I understand that one a little more. But I, and I wonder now, because normally people stayed, and, but now we're getting into the portal time, and a lot of times it had been backups Uh, that transferred and how much are they actually you know wooed by the current coaching staff no 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 stay stay but they want to go play somewhere else but how about one and I don't just mean starting quarterbacks there are starting old linemen starting D linemen that are transferring and you wonder now what the reason is do I want to go to a better system that fits me to play in the NFL are coaches now sitting down with guys and saying you know what wouldn't be in best interest for you to maybe leave. And I would be fine with that. You know, I, if you guys yeah. were in that era and a coach said that to you, I would want the coach and I would imagine a player. Now it would sting because we all have pride, but instead of, you know, trying to stay there though, the old school stay and compete. You never know when you're going to be on the field. Okay. I get it, whatever. But for the most part, if you get a coach saying, listen, you know, there are other guys ahead of you. It may not happen here. Or even though you were a starter, we're going to start to lean this way. I would appreciate the honesty uh, because of the ease now to kind of move on. So every situation is different on how it's presented for players that en- end up entering the portal. Well, and Deb, what you just described is what we saw Deion Sanders do this spring very publicly, right? The way he talked about managing that roster pre and post the spring football game where he made it clear to a bunch of guys, you're not going to be here when we kick off for summer workouts and certainly not when we kick off to the fall. Deion Sanders also, did you see him on the Levitard show yesterday, Dad, talking about it's portal day and I'm getting linemen. Like, he's not being coy about any of this. And so maybe we can use that as somewhat instructive. You're right of, hey, you know what, if you're coach and I thought about this a lot dad in the portal era because people have talked about how different difficult it is to be a coach and build a roster right now when you've got the potential for influx like this every single season is I do think ultimately while it might seem callous to some it does benefit you to clearly state your intentions because we know like anything else dad what was always the number one thing when you talked about people in recruiting the number one recruiting tool for most colleges is still and most anything is still word of mouth you can put up branding everywhere you can sell people to dream in all the other ways in the recruiting process but ultimately players are going to talk 
people are going to talk behind closed doors. I learned more on recruiting trips, talking to the current guys on teams and in locker rooms and tried to do the same for players that were visiting us than you were going to learn talking to any coach because at the end of the day, they're still trying to sell you something even as much as some of them might deal with you honestly, some more than others. And so that word of mouth is always going to be, hey, the coach shoots you straight here. They're not going to try and tell you one thing and keep you on the roster to fill out the back end or just be their depth guy or something like that. They're actually going to help you. Mac Brown, I remember talking to him about this a couple of years ago before a bowl game, said, hey, if there's a guy that doesn't want to be here anymore, we're going to try and help him get to where he wants to go next. And while Mac says, you know, that's because of the promise we make them when we're recruiting them, I also think that's just good business at this point, Dad. Uh, listen, I agree with you, and, and as I said, every situation can be different, and, and as straight up as people are now, I think the better off. Or sometimes, Mike, you just get a player that maybe wasn't heavily recruited and has a big year and says, you know what, I can do yep. this somewhere else. I'll give you a name, and and, and, and I don't, don't think a lot of people will know the name. The tight end for UConn, Justin Jolly, okay? Two years at UConn, he had, I think, 18 catches last year. This year... He had he led UConn in receptions with 56 for 578 yards, and he was one of the bright spots for UConn, who had a three and nine season. UConn is not a football school that has fallen off. They 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 are basically done being any kind of showing any kind of power in football. This guy had Jim a big Moore, year. Jim Moore Jr. The, the last couple of years got him to a bowl game last I year. Agree. He's got it moving yes. in the right direction, but it's not what it used to be when they were in the Big East. There's no right. Doubt. So to my point, you get a player who was a bright spot on the team. One of the games they played was against Tennessee where he caught eight passes uh, for 89 yards. He went in the portal, and he already said on social media that he's been offered by Tennessee. So he gets, because of the year he had, to make a jump from UConn to Tennessee, and that's a jump, right? As as much as Jim Moore Jr. is, is helping that program, and God knows it needed it to help get them in the right direction, Tennessee is a huge, huge upgrade for this guy who wants to take the step to the, you know, a big-time Power 5 team and a big-time Power 5 conference to see what he can do. So you'll get players like that as well. Yeah, and, and you know, college football has always had that, right? And I think that there's been years where we've seen that from the FCS level to the FBS level where people have made those kind of moves that, yeah, absolutely give you the opportunity for added exposure. Certainly at this point, income a very real part of this conversation yeah. as well. And that big school experience that maybe some of these guys are looking for. That's what I mean in, in all of this. Dollars and cents is going to be the thing that governs most of this, I'd imagine. But there are still some of the other things that factor in. And you're right now, Dad, it, it is even more difficult for the schools that are outside of that power five, power two crust that we've talked about really at the top of the sport to feel like, all right, I'm developing my guy and always at risk of them coming in and getting poached. We saw this from Dave Clawson, who kind of lamented this after the Notre Dame Wake Forest game, saying, how can Notre Dame love him? We developed him. We had him around there. We love him. You guys rented him for a semester. And it's that feeling of, hey, we spend all this time helping and trying to create this great player only to watch them go away and use the end of that or use the best version of that somewhere else. I don't discount that it's incredibly frustrating, but I think a version of that has always been in the sport, even without the money, because certain schools and scrutin opportunities, like you just mentioned, present more for a player who's not guaranteed anything beyond college either. That could be the best opportunity that UConn tight end has to maximize his five years, exposure-wise, financially, all the above. Think about, too, what we talked about before the season. The Pac-12 probably had the deepest quarterbacks 
in the country, right? Yeah. And while the Pac-12 is going away, let's just look at those teams, whether they're moving, you know, most to the Big Ten or a couple to the ACC. You got Caleb Williams is going to be gone. Uh, you got uh, uh, Penix is going to be gone. Bo Nix is going to be gone. We just talked about Cameron Ward transferring out of Washington State. DJ is leaving Oregon State uh, as well. So that's going to look all different. Those teams, again, not the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is done, but those teams are going to look different uh, with the quarterbacks that are going to be out. And what was the deepest conference of quarterbacks? And, uh, yeah, good luck during bowl season trying to keep track of all of this, by the way. We know the opt-outs have always been the things that people have pointed to here. Bowl season, basically spring football part one now. Get used to knowing the names of some of your young guys that might play a role for you going forward or might have their jobs supplanted by great transfer players that you're able to get (laughs) at some point in this process here. We'll figure it out as we go. We'll get to NFL superlatives coming up next. 